0: Praise the Lord, it's great to be here. Uh, John chapter 11, most of us are familiar with this story that's uh, contained in this particular chapter, deals with the the family of a man called Lazarus, and Lazarus uh, um, had passed away, we read later on uh, in this particular chapter. And uh, there's just a few things I suppose that uh, I'd like to go through there and see whether there's something in that that we might learn for ourselves and learn for our futures, our lives, and uh, where we're going to be uh, with the Lord and so on. And so just to set uh, the scene here uh, so that we know what's, uh, what's uh, happening here at this time, uh, we see that Lazarus lived in a, a place called Bethany and uh, with his sisters Mary and Martha. And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, as we read through this story here, we see that uh, Jesus came uh, and uh, uh, as a result of um, the circumstances that unfold for us in this chapter, we see that it probably hastened uh, his demise in a way because many people believed on him after the events that we're about to read of here happened and his enemies, who were the chief priests and the Pharisees, became even more and more infuriated and afraid of Jesus because of the actions of Christ at the grave of Lazarus. Indeed, it uh, uh, appears here that it was uh, at this place that the seeds of the the murderous plot against Jesus was hatched. And uh, No, seeds don't get hatched, they get sown. Uh, And, uh, uh, you know, I'm always uh, mixing my metaphors, unfortunately, but uh, uh, we won't worry about that now. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the uh, Lord uh, with ointment and wiped uh, his feet uh, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then we read now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And I suppose that's uh, really what I wanted to think about here, was why would Jesus do such a thing? Why would he abide for two days where he was when there was a great need somewhere else? And uh, we read there that Jesus loved Lazarus and he loved Martha and Mary. they were faithful disciples uh, and though there were uh, times when they didn't all always get uh what he was getting at and uh understand what he was saying, I mean who did really uh, at that time but uh, uh but they they loved him without question they loved him and so you wonder why uh at the in that last part of verse six there but he abode there for two days still. Why not go straight away? There was a great need, and uh, uh, yet he abode there for two days still. Why prolong, it would appear, the agony uh, of uh, Mary and Martha? Now, it would appear uh, as though, as you read through the timeline of this, that uh, by the time that uh, Jesus spoke these words, uh, and the two days uh, uh, he was was going to abide there still, uh, that Lazarus had already passed away in that time. But of course only Jesus would have known that. And I wonder as we read this whether we can see that there's a message here just in the timing of all of this that points to a bigger picture, bigger than, uh, well, as we're going to see, a man being raised from the dead. You wouldn't think you'd get much bigger than that. But uh, maybe there's a a grander plan being unfolded here, a picture that doesn't just include Lazarus and, and Martha and Mary, but includes all people of all ages from this time forward. That uh, It's a, a picture that has you in it and has me in it, uh, all of mankind uh, in this story there. Now we read there, uh, we finished in verse uh, uh, 6. We'll just jump down to verse 11 um, and we read, uh, uh, These things said he, uh, and after he had said, uh, said unto them, uh, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awaken him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he he shall do well. If he's he's managing to get some rest and sleep and so on, he's doing well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoke of taking a a rest uh, in sleep. And then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him, And then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, uh, uh, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And when Jesus came, he he had found that he had laid in the grave for four days already. Four days. Lazarus had been dead for four days in the grave. Now, this sort of got got me thinking there that there's a pattern in God's timeline. And I just quote to you a scripture from 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, Peter writes and says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, in context, in 2 Peter chapter 3, that's probably a generality, uh, uh, talking about God not being bound by time, how that time has no meaning to him. That there is no before God, there is no after God. There is God. And, and that's that. But, uh, perhaps in the, in the interest of this story here, maybe there's a bit of a, a key to us there, given that one day might equal a thousand years. And if we're thinking here about Lazarus being in the grave for four uh, days, maybe we're thinking about a time period for us, as we're broadening our horizons and our our picture of this whole story here, for 4,000 years. Because it would seem as though from the time that man fell and they died in the sight of God and their relationship with God was severely harmed and they they wound up, as it were, in a spiritual grave, 4,000 years have passed from the time of Adam until the time that we're reading of here. Mankind have been, like Lazarus, in the grave. In fact, the word Lazarus means in need of help or needing help. Mankind needs help. They're in the grave. And they were in the grave at this point here. And maybe uh, uh, as all of this unfolded here in this particular chapter at this time, uh, we're reading here, uh, and uh, maybe that's why the Lord waited until the time was right, until everything fell into place there. Oh, and and, uh, and uh, he was able to point people to a grander picture. Yes, it may well be that in the 4,000 years leading up to this, they lived, they worked, uh, they loved, they hated, they built cities, they built empires, they, they had families, they had ambitions. Uh, in, in fact, in the Scriptures it says they, they married and they were given in marriage and so on there. So surely they lived. But spiritually, in God's eyes, they were dead they were in the grave, they were bound with grave clothes and they were waiting for someone to call them forth, to call them out of that grave, to call them out of the grave clothes there. And, uh, well, we know that uh, that's very much what happened here in this story. We read in verse 18. Now, Bethany was unto Jerusalem, uh, was nigh unto Jerusalem, close to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, almost two miles. And many of the Jews came uh, to, to Martha and to uh, Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard uh, that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Now, the house was probably at this time a, a, a place of despair, a place of grief. And, and torment. There were no doubt lots of people there and, uh, and, uh, they had, they had no future there and so on. There was no, there were, it was just, a, as I say, a time, a, a place of grief there. But Martha left there and went and met Jesus. Now, on a previous occasion, uh, in Luke chapter 10, as it turns out, we read of Martha being challenged by Jesus and Mary being commended by Jesus. We read of Martha being cumbered about with many things. And how did that that seemed to, to cloud her, uh, her, her appreciation of the Lord. And she was busy, too busy to, to do as Mary did. And that was sit at the feet of Jesus, which was the good course that Jesus spoke about. But here it seems the roles were reversed. Mary stayed still in the place. But Martha sought out Jesus. And uh, uh so uh, I don't know whether there's anything that uh, particularly or not, but I found that interesting there. So Mary stayed in the house uh, uh, where there was uh, no doubt some grief and despair and so on there. And we read in verse 21, And then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know uh, that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And verse 23, Jesus said unto her, unto her thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And she went and uh, uh, when uh, she had so said, she went her way and she called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and she came unto him. And here, I believe, is the great message of the gospel the great call of the gospel the words that are first used here to to summarize the whole purpose of the gospel words that maybe we're going to say on saturday if you go out and uh, and and talk to people about the convention or or in your workplace or or in your school or or with your family or whatever that uh, the, what we really want to say to people is the master has come and he's calling for you jesus is here and he's calling for you and we read, uh, uh, going to read there in the next uh, verse, there, verse thirty. And Jesus uh, was not yet out, uh, not yet uh, come into uh, the town, but was in that place where Martha had met him. And the Jews uh, then, which were with her in the house, uh, com- uh, comforted her. And when they saw Mary that she arose hastily and went out, they followed her, saying, She goes to the grave to weep there. And then when Mary was come, uh, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then we read the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Come and see. What were they getting him to come and see? The place of death, the, the heartbreak of the grave, the, the despair and the, the hopelessness of mankind in their mortal state. Come and see. Come and see what? The tears of uh, and the anguish and so on there. And then we read there that Jesus wept. He wept for the hopelessness of mankind, for the helplessness of mankind for the unbelief of mankind for the death and the mortality of mankind we read in verse 36 and then said the jews behold how he loved him they misunderstood what jesus was weeping about here and some of them said could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man lazarus should not have died Jesus therefore again groaning in himself came to the grave and it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, Said said I not unto thee, that if thou would believe, thou should see the glory of God. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And then we read this amazing verse. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. You know, often you you get, there are certain passages in the Bible and certain verses in the Bible that you can sort of picture things happening. And this for me is one of those. I often find myself thinking about what it would have been like to have been there, just to look at the crowd of people that there was at that graveside at that time. One moment they're in despair, then look—all of a sudden their eyes get real big like saucers because this man, bound in grave clothes, comes out, and you can imagine them uh, 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 grabbing each other's arms and saying, "Look at, look at that!" When they finally were able to speak. You know, it would have been an astonishing thing to see someone come forth out of the grave. And I guess that got me thinking that maybe that's what it's like in heaven when somebody gets baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and finds repentance in their heart. Maybe in a place such as this or maybe by the side of their bed or in a greater meeting or, or perhaps on their own somewhere. Maybe here in Elizabeth. The center of the universe. Or maybe uh, uh, some other smaller place like London or New York or somewhere like that. Or, or, or out in the wilds of Africa or New Guinea or wherever. Maybe the angels in heaven. You can imagine them. Their eyes like saucers. Grabbing each other's arms and saying, Look at that. Spirit fell. Somebody just, he's done it again. God's done it again. He's transformed a life from the grave into life, from mortality into immortality. He's given hope where there was no hope. Hallelujah! Look at him coming forth, and uh, and being wonderfully uh, well set free. We we see there that uh, Jesus said, "Loose him from his grave clothes," there, and so he did. And so uh, uh, it is for us as well. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we're loose from our grave clothes, and the Bible says we put on new garments now. We're clothed now, the Bible says, with the Holy Ghost. Garments of life, garments of righteousness, garments of praise, we read in the Scriptures there. And this scene uh, uh, which uh, of Lazarus here uh, coming forth from the grave turned this place upside down at that time. It actually polarised a, a society that was already divided at this time. Those that were looking for, for purpose and hope, well, we read in verse 45 what happened there. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. They found belief. They found faith in Christ. Those that were opposed saw things differently. In verse 53, for example, we read, Then from that day forth they took counsel together how they may put him to death. How they may put Jesus to death, but in doing so, there's an amazing prophecy tied up in the the, the words here that we speak of one of the, the the chief opponents of Jesus. We read here about a man called Caiaphas, who was the high priest at this time in Jerusalem, and one of the most hateful people you would ever encounter, and awful people. Proud, arrogant, and murderous. And uh, particularly if he felt threatened there, as he obviously did at this time. We read in verse 47. So Jesus had just raised Lazarus, and and well, we read uh, uh, that people went then and told the Pharisees what he'd done, what Jesus had done. And they gathered themselves together. In verse 47, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council. We'll form a committee. That's what people do. They formed committees, and that's what they did here. And, uh, and they said, what do we, what shall we do now? For this man does many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. They were trying to justify the way they were going to go here by saying this will be seen as some sort of revolt against Roman authority, and the Romans will come and will suppress the whole nation because of this man Christ. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us or needful for us that one man should die for the people. He was hatching the plot here to kill Christ. And that uh, so that the whole nation perish not. So that was his plan. That was what he was going to set in motion here. But then the Lord makes the observation through the word of God here, and this spake he not of himself. But being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that he should also gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. You know, it's wonderful to think that Caiaphas of all people, should be used of the Lord in such a way. The the one who played such a pivotal role in the events at Calvary should give such a wonderful summary of the calling of Jesus to die for mankind, not just for Israel, but for all men everywhere, to bring together from all over the globe all of the children of God, that this was what it was all about here. And you can only imagine how Caiaphas would have felt if he'd have known what he was doing here at this time. Glorifying Christ. He didn't want to do that, but that's the way it worked out. And, uh, and so he did. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, Matthew 24. So I believe that there's a message there of the gospel and the calling of Jesus Well, I believe that there's not. it doesn't just end there when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that there is a great hope now for all of us. As we read in the Scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 4, whether we live or we die, whether we, we go to the grave or we're alive when the Lord comes back. is interesting, Paul obviously thought that he was going to be alive when the Lord came back, because he spoke about those that uh, were in the grave or, or were asleep in the Lord. Then he said, then we which are alive and remain. That's me and the rest of you guys, he was saying. Of course, he's so far, he's been 2,000 years out in his uh, uh planning there, but no, nonetheless, uh, we have that confidence. And the Bible talks then how there's going to be the shout. And we read here just things leading up to it, if you like, uh, uh, at this time. It, perhaps in verse 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven unto the other. What an event this is coming. When the Lord is going to be calling for thee. You know those words that Martha said to Mary, they're just so true for us, aren't they? The Master has come and he's calling for thee. Well, this time here is where the Lord is going to be calling for his church. Whether they be dead or whether they be alive. He's going to call them forth. And the Bible, and in fact, we might even read that. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4. Must start reading in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or which have passed away in the Lord. That you sorrow not. That's why this is written here that when we find ourselves in that position, we sorrow not. Even as others which have no hope, we have hope in Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. And then we read what's going to happen. The Lord lays it out for us here so that we're we're not left in any uh, uh, uncertainty about all of this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With a shout. The Master has come and he calleth for thee. He's going to call you forth at that time. With a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then, of course, the purpose toward these words here, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort it is to know our future. A mighty shout. And it's going to be heard everywhere. This isn't going to be a secret thing. In Matthew 24, Jesus was talking about that before the passage that we just read there, about secret chambers and people saying that He's going to be there. He said, don't believe them. When the law comes back, it's not going to be a secret. He went on to talk about that, we just read there, about the sun being darkened, and stars falling from heaven, and the moon being darkened, and lightning and thunders, and that doesn't say, it's not a very well kept secret, it seems to me. Maybe the law's not very good at keeping secrets, I don't know. But everybody's going to know. We're all going to hear that shout. The Master has come and he calleth for thee. Now I don't know whether we have in our midst here tonight uh, anybody who as yet doesn't know the Lord, as yet hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's our message to you. Maybe, uh, oh, I think we're being streamed here as well, uh, onto YouTube and so on. Maybe you're sitting home thinking, well, what's all that got to do with me? Well, the Master has called for you. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants to transform your life into immortality. He wants to cause you to be an overcomer, that you might uh, uh, not be bound by the grave clothes of this world, but rather you might be set free, you might shed those, and that you might put on new garments, garments of praise unto God, eternal garments. The Bible talks in the book of Revelation about the, 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 the garments of the saints, pure and white and righteous in the sight of God. The Lord wants to transform your life. And as I say, I don't know if there's anybody in this hall in such a a, a place now. But hallelujah, the Master has called for you. And even if we're spirit-filled, let's recognize that. He's called for us. Let's stand fast in what we believe. Let's stand fast in our experience with God, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Let's not be bound again by the grave clothes of this world. All the people said...